Focus is really important in life, all right? Uh, and yet we're in a world of distractions. That's what's so great about that particular video. You know, Simon uh, Sinek again does a great video, which I may show you guys in Israel, about uh, distractions with our cell phones and how we're becoming wired to be addicts. Not that I'm an addict, but uh, I know that I'm sure some of you are addicts. But focus is important in life. You know, I was in a, as a kid growing up in California. Uh, there are plenty of places where you can go and put a couple of, like a quarter or two or three, it gets more expensive all the time, in these little boxes that are like fixed binoculars. And you can use them to look for whales or to scan some scenery. They have a bunch of these around San Francisco. And uh, the problem is, is they often don't focus well. So when you try to look at something without focus, you can't, you, you, sometimes, you, well, you just can't use it. It doesn't work well for you. Focus in life is important because when you focus in life, you can have a better understanding of what it is you're looking at. Uh, as I uh, had surgery on my eyes uh, for detached retina last March, I've suffered a declining uh, eyesight in this eye. Not that it'll affect anything on the trip, but I have to get stronger contact lenses, and soon I'll have to have surgery. Uh, I'm now 51. I need reading glasses, as you can all tell, and as my kids keep reminding me. Uh, so in order to focus up close, I have to wear now reading glasses. It's annoying, but in life, again, focusing is critically important, especially if you want to accomplish something of any importance whatsoever. Uh, interesting article I just want to read. It says, nothing that is valuable is achieved without effort. Fritz Kreisler, the famous violinist, testified to this point when he said, narrow is the road that leads to the life of a violinist. Hour after hour, day after day, and week after week for years, I lived with my violin. It sounds like you did. There were so many things that I wanted to do that I had to leave undone. There were so many places I wanted to go that I had to miss if I were to master the violin. The road that I traveled was a narrow road, and the way was hard. Another person states, When I was a boy, my father, a baker, introduced me to the wonders of song. So says tenor Luciano Pavarotti. He related, he urged me to work very hard to develop my voice. Arrigo Pola, a professional tenor in my hometown of Modeno, Italy, took me as a pupil. I also enrolled in a teacher's college. On graduating, I asked my father, shall I be a teacher or a singer? Luciano, my father replied, if you try to sit on two chairs, you will fall between them for life. You must choose one chair. I chose one. It took seven years of study and frustration before I made my first professional appearance. It took another seven years to reach the Metropolitan Opera. And now I think, whether it's laying bricks, writing a book, whatever we choose, we should give ourselves to it. Commitment, that's the key. Choose one chair. And another way of understanding is Focus your attention. We're going to be looking in the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. At our scanning meeting uh, last week, uh, we were talking about different things, and uh, this is a message or a, a particular sermon opportunity on this Shabbat that is not to be attached to anything in particular, not teaching in the book of Galatians, 
uh, until in the fall. And I was thinking, what would be a good thing for us to talk about, for me to talk about and to speak on, on this Shabbat? And this came into my mind. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. It's hard to dance in two weddings. It's hard to sit on two chairs. In life, it's important to learn to focus your attention and to focus your commitment. And so we hear from Paul, from Rav Shaul, Colossians chapter 3. This is page, uh, if I could see it, 1,129. 1,129, Colossians 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, Therefore... If you have been raised up with Messiah, keep seeking the things above, where Messiah is sitting at the right hand of God. Focus your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Messiah in God. When Messiah, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. I want to take verse 1 first. And I want us to consider our focus regarding eternity. I want us to consider our focus regarding eternity. Many of us are young. We think about eternity, we think, well, that's a long way off. Some of us are older. Our thoughts about eternity is, oh, boy, that's looking really close. You know, when I I talked to Barry on the phone on Friday, I was very worried. Very, very worried. He sounded terrible, (laughs) you know. Not that he hasn't sounded terrible before, but it was very, very frightening for me. You know, I love that man. I don't want to see him go into eternity yet. I like to keep him around a little longer. I know Bob, we always talk about the pool. You know, who's going to go first, you know? But the point is, is that eternity is just around the corner for all of us, unless our Messiah Yeshua returns first. And the question is, is do we have any focus in regards to it? Do we think about it? Here in chapter 3, verse 1, We are told that we should occupy ourselves with the thought of eternity. We should be occupied by the thoughts of eternity with the passions of our life. Again, let me read it. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Messiah, keep seeking the things above. So the first question that's really asked, if you have been raised up. So if you are a follower of Messiah Yeshua, if you have accepted that Yeshua is indeed the Messiah and you've come into right relationship with God by your personal faith in him, if this is true in your life, then seek the things above. Now the Greek word here, which means to seek because this letter was written in Greek, zeit zeit, has this sense of passionate orientation Towards something. All right? Passionate orientation towards something. Do you have a passionate desire for the things above? Do you honestly consider with passion and with zeal, with your emotional being, do you look forward to eternity? All right? For many people, that's kind of like, it's a little amorphous, a little, you know, a little, wow, it's kind of out there. What does that mean? And I think that, uh, especially in a secular world in which, in which, uh, world in which we live, to think about eternity and the spiritual realities of eternity with God, it's hard for us to, to, I think, appreciate it because all of our society talks about today, our passions for today, all right? We watch too much TV. We're impacted by all the beer commercials. Of, you know, it used to be worse with the beer commercials. You know, go for the gusto. 
all the fun people have and all those party shots with alcohol. But do we think about, with passion, what it will be like to spend eternity with God? This is the simple challenge of Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. To emotionally focus ourselves on what is going to be this amazing reality of being with God forever. Do we think about eternity emotionally? That's the challenge of the verse. Unbelievers, of course, only focus on this world because that's all they believe there is. If you find that what I'm talking about regarding eternity, uh, the last time you thought about eternity was the last time I preached something about it here, then maybe you're so influenced and overwhelmed by the secular reality of our world that you need to take a little bit of time alone with God and confess your sin of focused on the terrestrial realities that don't matter and ask God to change your mind a la Romans chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3, to refocus yourself toward what is eternal. You know, it's a very wonderful thing. Mr. Ferdeen is now Squire Ferdeen. Mike Ferdeen is now a homeowner. And, uh, and I know he's been passionate about this. That's a wonderful thing. It really is. Nothing wrong with achieving something like that. But even Mike understands that one day that building will be gone. It won't be there. No matter what wonderful things he may do to it, the odds are it will not make it into the kingdom of God in the future, okay? Uh, and he recognizes that. You know, some of you are, are moving forward in life. Matthew, who's hopefully going to be here in about two hours finally, you know, is thinking about his next actuarial exam and how he's going to achieve that next actuarial exam. Shoshana is planning for graduate school. Uh, a bunch of you guys are in different places with school or in career. There's nothing wrong with having a passion and a desire to move yourself forward, whether it's in employment or education or just in life, like buying a house. But how does that passion match up for your passion for eternity? Can you see the terrestrial things that you're doing and accomplishing as really part of what God wants you to do and therefore you can incorporate it into an overall passionate desire for God and for eternity with Him? You know, I was talking to Aaron uh, Zollinger about different things and they had a housewarming party, her and Amy. And, you know, a house is a beautiful thing because, you know what? You can put a lot of people into it. No, no, they don't have to live with you forever. But a house is a very useful tool for the kingdom because people can come and eat and hang out and be encouraged and pray and worship and study and just be together. Or a house can be a place where none of that happens and it becomes just a private little kingdom where, where you can hide from the world and from any kind of responsibility or obligation toward others. Money is an amazing thing. I, when I was in business years ago, the goal was to make as much money as I could and to try and also do as much good with it as I could. All right? But most people acquire money, why? So that they can spend it on their own interests. It all comes down to what are you seeking? 
If you want to seek, if you're emotionally desiring to impact and make a difference because your focus is all on eternity, everything you're involved in in your life can have eternal value. Within probably a couple of months, poor Kyle here is going to be on a boat outside Japan, probably dancing around the, 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 uh, the South China Sea, playing, uh, playing hide-and-seek with the Chinese Navy and their Air Force and all the crazy stuff that's uh, going on over there. You know, if his job is cleaning the decks or actually you said driving the boat sometime, the boat swing does, you know, it's amazing. But all of that can be done for the glory of God because it's all motivation. Isn't that amazing? It all comes down to the kingdom of God. Seeking first the kingdom of God. Yeshua talked about that, but it is perspective. And what's amazing as followers of Messiah Yeshua we can incorporate that into every single part of our lives. It doesn't just have to be religious work. Frankly, it's, it's all that we do. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it for the glory of God. Seek the things above. Because it makes a huge difference in your life. If you know that making a few extra dollars, though, will transgress God's instructions, you know you don't do that because you're making bucks as it is for the glory of God. Or if, if you have uh, a situation in your social network uh, related to your education, but that social network within your education is causing you difficulties because everybody's neo-pagan and they're trying to suck you into it, you know that, that you have to prioritize God's values even in your relationships, which is very difficult. But you know that automatically because your eyes are focused on, a, on what's above. Even though you want to witness and be a testimony, you know that you can't let other people bring you down. We need to understand that the things above must be our focus that it requires a continual effort to examine our motivations, our intentions, but that we can seek the things above in all the different things that we're doing down here, just making sure we do it all for the glory of God. We need to be sure that we are passionately occupied with seeking that which is above, the spiritual reality of God, taking the holy and the transcendent and bringing it down into our world, in essence, through our intentions and motivations in our everyday lives. And doing that through our emotions, our excitement, our zeal, our passion. The other thing we see in verse 2, it says, focus your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. If we were talking about emotions before, now we're into our intellect and our will. Intellect and will. It says in verse 3, For you have died and your life is hidden with Messiah in God. When Messiah, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. We must not only seek heaven above, but we must also think heaven here. All right? You know, sometimes you meet people, they're, they're of so, they think so heavenly, or they're so heavily oriented, they're of no earthly good, okay? I meet people like that every once in a while. They just think that, it, it, that sitting around and, and uh, talking and thinking about eternity 
is all that matters when, it, when you look at their lives, though. Their lives don't produce anything. And that's sometimes, I think, the, uh, the bad um, reputation religious people get. Religious leaders especially. I think about some of the people in my profession, whether they're in the Jewish community or in the Christian community. The reality is, is that too often we are of so, so, so much of a heavenly mindset or a spirituality mindset that we're not producing anything of relevance here in this world. It's a fine balance. To give up responsibility, to be irresponsible in this world, is not godly. God, want, God wants us to focus on the things that are above, but to make sure we're impacting on the earth. He's given you gifts and abilities and talents. How are you using them to make a difference here? You know? There's a Greek word, <clears throat> the word phroneo. My Greek's not very good. But that word literally means uh, not just the mind, but it's complete orientation of the will. It is volition. What do you will to do? You know, the battle of the believing life is will. We know what God wants us to do. You read it, if, if you're honest and you read the Bible, the scriptures are pretty clear what God generally wants us to do. And we battle that, don't we? We have to take our will and humble it before the Lord. And always remember, what is it that you want? How do you want me to live? How do you want me to spend my time? I'll tell you, some, there's some no-brainer easy ones. If you go to God and you say, God, do you think it's okay that I binge watch, pick your favorite TV show, or read my Bible? What do you think God's answer is going to be to that? God always prefers us reading his scripture over binge watching anything. I would almost think that depending on your reading habits, God would prefer you read his scriptures than watch anything. But you get the point. When it comes to, to our lives and the use of our time, and especially our, our desires, going back to emotions, but certainly the things that we do with our time by our own choice, we have to ask ourselves the question, are we focused on the things above volitionally do we humble ourselves before god humble ourselves before him so that we he can work through us to make differences in this world but but more importantly do we really want to make a difference in the world through our lives is that a passionate desire for us especially i would say for those of us who are in career situations because it's easy it's easy to, to talk about serving God in a volitional way, making an impact for God for eternity uh, uh, volitionally when we're off the job and we're out of our careers. But for so many of us as Americans, our very lives are our careers. Often that's just the reality of it. We identify so much about, by what we do. You know, my wife is a barista at Starbucks. I just think she sells overpriced coffee, okay? But I love the benefits. But do you understand in your profession that it is a way for you to, to, through, to, to serve God, to determine volitionally, I will serve God in my job, in my job. You may be helping sick people or managing people who help sick people, 
but to think specifically and you intentionally desire to do this where your place of employment is, you are a conduit for God's work in that environment. The whole place may not like you. I think of Don who works with mostly religious Jewish people. And to think, how can God use me in that environment? Knowing that they're not probably too positively inclined toward Yeshua faith. That is really a difficult, that is a really difficult conversation, quite honestly. A really difficult thing to think about. But do you understand how it requires will? Because we're very easy to slip into an emotional sense of fear. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to open my mouth. I'm not going to, because I'm afraid of what people would say or do in my employment opportunity. I need my job. God is not, in, I don't think God wants us to all like, you know, stand in the middle of the work or the lunchroom and preach the gospel every lunch hour. I don't think that that's a great way to encourage people toward Yeshua faith. But do you understand that your job is an intentional opportunity? Do you look at it as an intentional opportunity to be a testimony and a witness and a conduit of the eternal, of that which is above into the reality of the world in which you live, in which you spend most of your time? Same thing with school, but I think in school you're in flux. But when you have a career opportunity, if you're like Abe and you're an excellent, you know, if you're in one of these big companies, to think of that intentionality. We can do it anywhere. But I think that's some of the way we have to understand this verse. I, I like this phrase too. It says, Sir, you have, for you have died and your life is hidden with Messiah and God. Can you honestly say this morning, you recognize that you have died. You are only alive in Messiah. And therefore, anything and everything that you do, you want to make it count for God, especially the things that control most of your life, like your job situation, <laughs> your employment. If we are true believers, our willful interests should focus on eternity. If we are true believers, our willful interests should focus on eternity. We all are willful. We're all willful. In some ways, especially in our employment, generally, we're willful because it's, it takes such a huge chunk of our lives. And I want to encourage you this morning from this verse to think about how your employment situation can be a willful exercise toward eternity in some way. Maybe that means for you a renewed, passionate effort to pray every day for your coworkers, the people closest to you, to pray for them to come into right relationship with God, to pray for them intentionally, and to even let them know on occasion that you are praying for them in regards to difficult circumstances in their lives. Everybody I know appreciates prayer, even atheists, because I got friends of mine that are atheists. They, Pray for me all you want, can't hurt. But to not only determine willfully that we're going to do that, but to on occasion let them know. Not to be afraid, to let them know. Remember what Messiah Yeshua has done for us. He died for us, but in his death, he has empowered us to real life. But we cannot enjoy and experience that in the way God wants us to unless we are truly willing to allow ourselves to be the conduit 
of eternity into the lives of the people around us. Determined, willful, that we want to let God work through us each and every day, especially in things that are so important to us. That is our employment. As believers, we have a responsibility to see life in a different light than unbelievers. All right? I know this is, you know, some, it's a kind of a basic thing. But it's one we really struggle with because we live in terrestrial reality. We're all going to have a nice kiddish and we'll hang out a little bit and then go into a real world. Do you take this into your world emotionally? Do you take this into your world Going into the world excited, you want to you impact for God because you're so excited about what will be eternity. Do you go into your world intentionally determined that you will volitionally act in such a way that you will take eternity into your workplace? Do you have this kind of a mindset? Or is this compartmentalized? You're here and this is your religious duty and then you're going to go out and, and just live in a way that's inconsistent with what this reality is. A lot of people who profess faith in Yeshua, they struggle with that. Do you struggle? How's your will? How is your will directed? How's your emotions? How are your emotions directed? How hard are you focusing on eternity? Do you feel passionate about prayer? Ask yourself about your time this morning in the service. Were you passionate about prayer? Everybody's passion looks a little different. But that's a, a question for you to think. This morning, have you been passionate in your worship? Seeking emotionally to connect with God and to worship Him and to direct your thoughts toward Him. Have you been passionate this morning in your worship? Was it worth your time to come? If you don't honestly feel prayer or worship do a lot for you personally then you need to consider whether or not you are passionately occupied with seeking the things above. I mean, if prayer and worship don't do much for you, it's, it's, it's you. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. You know, people can complain about me all day long. I don't care. But I have been in enough environments over my course of time as a believer, I can worship anywhere with other people that are worshiping the Lord. I can do a cappella out of old hymn books with a bunch of, you know, people in the middle... Of, of the state of Illinois without a piano, okay? I can worship the Lord because it's really just me with these other believers focusing our attention on above. I've had a hard time worshiping sometimes in some environments, though, because I just feel like the environment itself, well, you know what, that's on me. I judge, uh, especially some of the big churches that I speak at where it's like this highly polished production. I judge that. It's on me. I mean, they do what they do. You know, and that's not my thing. I should be able to humble myself and say they worship in their way. I can get a lot out of this song if I can just kind of cover my ears for all the, the loud music, but I can focus my attention above because what they're saying is about the God who's above. I'm not gonna, I should not judge the format. I should instead engage with the Spirit. Worship the Lord my God. I would encourage you this week, and it's on the announcement sheets, write out the seven most important activities that you do. Activities that you wouldn't miss except for an emergency. How many of them are God-focused? <laughs> How many of them are God-focused? I admit, I like to watch NCIS. I prefer not to miss it. 
okay? So it's okay to have a couple of things on there that are like, hey, these are things I really enjoy. It's okay, life, I'm learning. I should enjoy life. You should learn to enjoy life too. Some of you are probably much better at it than me. But of your seven, how many are God-focused? Don't worry. Worry is a sign of humanity, not eternity. If you are someone that worries a lot, then I encourage you to spend more time focused on the things above. God will work things out. He really does. He's more interested in us gaining understanding and appreciation of him along the way. He's interested in our process, our development. All right? And so as we continue to emotionally reach up to the Lord and be excited about who he is in eternity, and we determine that we will humble ourselves in our will to let God really work through us, our intentions, our motivations are focused on, on allowing that eternity to come through us and impact our world. I know that the Lord our God certainly is going to do things with us and through us we'd never imagined. And in the mean. I think that we will find life a much more pleasant journey to travel through. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for the truth of your word and the challenge of it. We thank you for the fact, God, that by focusing our attention on you, in reality, not only do you become clearly understood, more clearly understood, but that you allow us to more clearly understand what it is that really makes life worth living. I pray, God, that for each one of us, that we would, we would have at least a few things on our seven list, our, our seven-item list, that would be absolutely eternity-focused, as well as not just on the emotional side, but volitionally impactful in our world today. God, help us. Help us to bring eternity and our passion for eternity into our daily lives so that you might use us in the lives of people, both believers and unbelievers, who are in our lives for your glory. And we pray all this in Yeshua's name. Amen.